place. If you would stand, we'll get started with our service. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 18 says, And the Lord shall deliver me from every evil work, and will preserve me until his heavenly kingdom, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. It's good to be back in the Lord's house today. Brother Branson, would you open us in a word of prayer, please? Continue standing and we'll sing Come Thou Found, hymn 169.
protection while we sleep. We pray for healing, for prosperity. We pray for your mighty hand to ease our suffering. And way too much to give us lesser things cause what if your blessings come through raindrops what if your healing comes through tears what if a thousand sleepless nights are what it takes to know you're near and what if trials of this life are your mercies in
We're excited to have Brother Gus. Is this on? Can you hear me? I just talk louder? Yes. Okay, here we go. Uh, I just wanted to come up and introduce Brother Gus. Obviously, he's been the one that, uh, he's from IBB, and he's been helping us with the reconstruction, and we've been starting to build a shed out there. So, um, Pastor really wanted to give him an opportunity to preach, so we're excited to have him preach today. He's going to come up and preach for us now. Brother Gus? Man, we're thankful to be here. Uh, we were back here in, um, I think it was March of, of this year, and and we presented, and you guys were, were kind enough to take us on for support, and, and uh, we really appreciate that. So we jump at the opportunity to come back and to get to work on the building. Uh, I'm thankful for Lalo allowed me to, to use it. I know the afternoons is usually when he preaches, so they, had a, they really had to squeeze me in here so we have, have the opportunity to preach. And I don't take it lightly. It's, it's a privilege, and I pray that I never take it lightly to stand behind this sacred desk. And so if you will, <clears throat> uh, turn with me to 1 Kings and chapter 18. 1 Kings and chapter 18. And um, we're going we're gonna to pray, and then we're, we're going to look at most of this chapter. So we'll pray, and then we'll dive into it for, for time's sake. But um, uh, just in case anyone gets offended or anything, I want you guys to know that I, I preach this to a, a, a chapel in Texas. And so they have from first graders to, to 12th graders in the chapel, as long as like church members and staff and things of that nature. And so if this message offends you or hurts your feelings, just know there's six-year-olds in Texas that take preaching better. So. <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> amen. Good start. <laughs> yeah. Amen, amen. All right, so I think most of us are familiar uh, with this passage, a very famous uh, passage of Scripture. It's, it's one of my favorites, one of my favorite biblical accounts um, in all of the Bible. And notice I say accounts there. It's not a story because the story leads to, to thinking that it might be fictional or maybe not happened or maybe it's just a, an implication, uh, some religious teaching that teaches some, some moral values. But I say it's, it's a biblical account. These things really happened. This Bible is more accurate than any history book that we have available today. This Bible, the, these, are, these truly happened, and, it's, and God recorded it for us today so we can learn thereby the, the, <clears throat> the, the, the prophecies of old are for our learning. As our schoolmasters, for our, it's for our learning, so we can, we can learn from this and how we got to this point. And so, um, so yeah, at this, at this time in, in chapter 18, we know that um, Elijah had already gone and, and prophesied to Ahab and told him, hey, there's not going to be rain in Israel for three years. And when we look back, um, Ahab didn't really, or, uh, Elijah didn't really prophesy anything new. This was already, God had already established that long before he even allowed the children to go into the promised land. He said, hey, when you turn from me, when you turn and worship other gods, there's going to be famine. There's going to be, there's, there's going to be hard times, there's going to be hardships, there's going to be pestilence, there's going to be disease, there's going to be famine. And then eventually, if you still are so hard-hearted and, and stiff-necked that you don't turn back to me, then you'll be exiled. I'll, 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 I'll bring somebody else in and they'll dwell in that land. They'll dwell in that land that was promised to you and your children. And so um, that's all basically Elijah said to him was, hey, this is what's going to happen. And then um, we're, we're coming up on the end of that three years. Elijah had been um, in the wilderness. God had, had set him apart. He'd had his, his spot in the brook Cherith. And then the brook Cherith uh, dried up, and so Elijah was, was moved on at that point and went and took care and lived with the, the, the widow in Zarephath and, and took care of her and then provided her with the, the oil and the, uh, the cakes and, and, then, uh, and, then, and then healed her son, brought her son back to life. And, and then now God had spoke to Elijah and said, hey, go talk to Ahab. 
And that's where we're going to pick up right after we pray. So Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for uh, this time we have together. Lord, we thank you for just allowing us to gather in your house, allowing us to be able to, to be here and to, and to, to, sp- to freely uh, praise you, Lord, and to be able to sing out. And there's so many places all over the world, Lord, they can't even do that. They have to gather in secret. They have to be quiet. And Lord, you've, you've blessed us to allow us to gather here in your name. And Lord, I pray at this time that you would speak to us. Lord, you'd speak to hearts directly. Lord, hide me behind your cross. Let me not get in the way of what you would want to do in this auditorium today and what you want to do in hearts and, and whoever's listening. Lord, <clears throat> I just pray that you fill me with your Holy Spirit. Lord, allow me to preach. And we thank you and praise you for everything that you're going to do here. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. So, 1 Kings chapter 18. And we're just going to start in verse 5. And like I said, we're going to stop and, and, and really go into this. Uh, we're going to take a, a big picture of the whole chapter, but I really want to zoom in on one part in particular. And then we'll apply it to us and, and we'll be done, okay? So, chapter 18, verse 5. And Ahab said to Obadiah, Go into the land, unto all the fountains of water, and in all the brooks, peradventure we may find grass to save the horses and mules alive, that we lose not all the beasts. So they divided the land between them to pass through it, and Ahab went one way by himself, and Obadiah went another way by himself. And as Obadiah was in the way, behold, Elijah met him, and he knew him, and fell on his face, and said, Art thou my lord Elijah? And I just want to point out that, that Obadiah recognized Elijah immediately. Elijah was, there was no question at this time, if, anyone, if you were in Israel or even knew about anything in Israel, you knew who Elijah the Tishbite was. I think of a, a story a little bit later on after Ahab is off the scene and, and uh, 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 King Ahaziah, he has a fall and he's laid up in his bed, so he sends his messengers and he says, go and ask the, uh, the god of Ekron if I'll rise up from this bed. And so Elijah the Tishbite meets him in the way and goes up to the to the, uh, the, the messengers going to Ekron, and he says, is there not a God in Israel that you go and seek after wisdom after the God of Ekron? He goes, and for this, tell, your, tell King Ahaziah he's not going to rise up from that bed. He's going to die right there. And uh, the messengers go back to, to King Ahaziah, and they say, hey, uh, before we got there, somebody told us that you're, you're not going to get up. And uh, he goes, who, who told you that? And they go, well, he was hairy. And he goes, oh, that was Elijah. That was Elijah the Tishbite. And, uh, and so just, it didn't take much. People knew who Elijah was. He stuck out. He was, a, he, <clears throat> he was a very particular guy. And so Elijah met him and knew him and fell on his face. And art thou my Lord Elijah? And he answered him, and I am. Go tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And so Eli- I want to say Elijah also knew Obadiah. And uh, we, we, we skipped over it, but the first of this chapter, the Bible tells us that, that Obadiah is the governor of Ahab. Ahab, the, the wicked king of Ahab of Israel. Actually, look at uh, chapter 16. Uh, chapter six, 1 Kings chapter 16 and verse 30. And this is where we get introduced to Ahab uh, for the first time. And, and the Bible says, And Ahab, the son of Omri, did evil in the sight of the Lord above all that were before him. He was the worst king in Israel, who's not known for having good kings up to this point. Ever since Jeroboam and they split, there's been bad kings in Israel, and he was worse than all of them that were before him. And it came to pass as if he had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, that he took a wife, Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbaal, king of the Zidonians, and went and served Baal and worshipped him. So we know Jeroboam was bad. He was one... Uh, he was the king in, of the north whenever Israel split, and, and he went, and he didn't want people to go back to Jerusalem to worship and, and turn their hearts back to the God of Israel, and then end up uh, serving under, uh, back in Judah. And, and so he, he raised up two um, idols, two, two calves, and he placed one 
in one part of Israel, another part, another part of Israel, and he said, hey, these are your, these are your gods, Israel. Go worship them. And so that, that's bad. And, and Ahab was even worse than that and even took to him the wife of Jezebel, who we know is not a good person. Don't name your daughters Jezebel. <clears throat> but but she was, what makes her so bad, not, I mean, obviously she was just, just a wicked woman, but it says her, her dad was, was Ethbaal, who was a priest king of Moab. He was, a, he was a priest king of this false god Baal. And, and, and this false god is, it goes all the way back to, to Nimrod and, 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 and the, the Tower of Babel. And that's who, that's who Baal is. They say he's the, the sun god, if you will. And that's who they worshipped. And, and the part of their worship had to do with child sacrifice. It was horrible, horrible, wicked stuff. And, and, but they, they say he was uh, like the fertility god and all the plants and, and water and everything of that. And, and the reason crops grow is because he blessed. And that was another reason that God put a, a famine in the town. Because he said, you're going to worship Baal and he's supposed to be one of the you harvest i'd like to see him try and so there was another reason for the the famine of the of that time and, and jezebel was his daughter she was the head of all the priestesses of of, of the time and so just a, a horribly wicked woman and um and so uh elijah notices who obadiah is and knows that he's the one that, that serves ahab and, and the bible tells us that that obadiah feared the lord greatly yet he was still the governor of ahab he was still ahab's go-to guy and so he says, you say that I'm your Lord. You say you're on my side. He goes, go tell your Lord. Go tell the guy that you're following that Elijah's here. And so uh, Obadiah sits there and argues back and forth with, with Elijah. And he's, at verse 9, he said, What have I sinned that thou wouldest deliver thy servant into the hand of Ahab to slay me? As the Lord thy God liveth, there is no nation or kingdom whither my Lord hath not sent to seek thee. And when they said, He is not there, he took an oath of the kingdom and nation that they found thee not. And now thou sayest, Go, tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here. And it shall come to pass, as soon as I am gone from thee, that the Spirit of the Lord shall carry thee whither I know not. And so when I come and tell Ahab, he cannot find thee. He shall slay me, but I, thy servant, fear the Lord from, thy, from my youth. Was it not told, my Lord, what I did when Jezebel slew the prophets of the Lord? How I did an hundred, how I hid an hundred men of the Lord's prophets by fifty in a cave and fed them with bread and water. And now thou sayest, Go, tell thy Lord, behold, Elijah is here, and he shall slay me. <clears throat> so obviously, um, you can see who Obadiah fears more. If he fears the, the Lord more, because in, in all honesty, if he if he truly feared the Lord, and the man of God shows up that everyone knows is known. For following, the, for, for following God and standing for the things that are right. If, 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 if he truly feared the Lord, he'd say, oh, Elijah's here, I'm on his side, let's go. You and me both, we'll go tell Ahab you're here, because yeah, I'm on your side. But instead, he gives them all these excuses, and he goes, Ahab's going to kill me if I tell him I talk to you. Ahab's going to kill me if he, if he knows that, that I met you and saw you in the way. He goes, look, look, I love the Lord. And it reminds me of so many people today, you know, the, hey, I know God's not number one in my life, and I don't make the things of God a priority in my life. But hey, I love the Lord. Look, look what I've done. Look, I was here. I, you know, I, I helped work on the building, or I gave this much money to, to this thing, or I did this for, for the church. And, and look, you guys couldn't have got that done if it wasn't for me. I, I was there. I helped with that. And that's what, that's what Obadiah is saying. He goes, hey, look, Jezebel was killing all these priests. He was, she was killing all these prophets. And so I hid a hundred of them in a cave. Look, I, like, I love the Lord. But I'm not going to go do that. I can't go tell Ahab that you're here. He'll kill me. And so he, he clearly feared Ahab way more. But I also want to look at the prophets in the cave. We, usually we just skim right over them. 
But here's a hundred guys who claimed to love the Lord. I mean, they were going to, Jezebel thought that they loved the Lord enough that she was going to kill them. They're prophets of the Lord, and yet they're hiding in a cave. And notice the scripture even says, a hundred men hiding in the cave. These guys are cowards, okay? These guys are cowards. Where's their families? Their families, uh, they're, they're families of the prophet. We know the prophets have children. We see that later in scripture. Elisha is, is uh, mocked by the, the, the uh, children of the prophets. And, and so where are these guys' families? They're hiding out in this cave. And if I know anything about preachers, which I think I do because I is one, but... <clears throat> But man, I, they're kicked back and they're, they're relaxing. They're having a preacher's meeting. Okay, they're telling, they're telling stories about all the things that God did back in the day, all the great things they've seen God do in the past. They're, 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 they're eating. They're getting bread and water brought to them. And they're kicked back, not helping anybody. Elijah's here. Elijah's been there. He's there, and he's, he's about to show up and, 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 and show Ahab, hey, I'm here, and God's going to show himself up in a mighty way, and yet all these guys are hid out in a cave. And I've, I've seen some guys look at it in, in, in the geography of the aerial area. Most likely, these guys were pretty close to Mount Carmel. Most likely, it wouldn't have been a, a big trip for them to be there where Elijah is and where the showdown's going to be. And yet Elijah ends up having to do all this completely by himself. And so we, we read on, we see that um, Elijah said, As the Lord of hosts liveth before him, whom I stand, I will surely show myself unto him today. So Obadiah went to meet Ahab and told him, and Ahab went to meet Elijah. And it came to pass when the Ahab saw Elijah, that Ahab said unto him, Art thou he that troubleth Israel? Isn't that funny? That's how the world, that's how the world always sees Christians. Are you those guys stirring up all the trouble? Aren't you the guys that are stirring up all the troubles and trying to make all these rules and just not let people live the way that they want to live and do the things that make them happy? Are you him that's stirring up all the trouble? And look at Elijah. Elijah has the perfect response. And he answered and said, I have not troubled Israel, but thou, and thy father's house, and that ye have forsaken the commandments of the Lord, and thou hast followed Balaam. Hey, <clears throat> we didn't make these rules up. Hey, we didn't, we didn't make up anything. We're not, trying to, we're, we're not trying to stir up all the trouble. But man, when it comes down to it, you've got to stand somewhere. You've got to stand for something. And these rules have been here since the beginning of time. This word's already settled in heaven. So people try to say, oh, you don't want to be on the wrong side of history. How are the history books going to remember this? Hey, when this world is all, when God destroys this world with fire, like he says he's going to in the end time and everything's burned up, that's going to be the only one that stands. Those laws, these commandments are going to be the only thing worth standing for and standing by. There's going to be the only thing that lasts. So I think I'm going to make my side with this book and these rules and where the Lord stands versus how the world depicts uh, who's stirring up the trouble. Amen? <clears throat> and so, Elijah comes up with, with uh, uh, he tells Ahab in verse 19, Now therefore sin and gather to me all Israel unto Mount Carmel, and the prophets of Baal 450, and the prophets of the groves 400, which eat at Jezebel's table. So Ahab sent unto all the children of Israel and gathered the prophets together unto Mount Carmel. All of Israel, this is the biggest thing happening in Israel right now. All of Israel is at Mount Carmel, about to see what's going down. About to see what's about to take place. And so Elijah addresses all of Israel. He says, And Elijah came unto all the people and said, How long halt ye between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, Not a word. 
Hey, I think it's about time that some Christians today figure out where they stand. I think it's about time we get some God-given convictions about where we stand and what we believe. I think there's, the world tries to paint a big gray area. But the truth of the matter is, the Bible is pretty black and white. The Bible is pretty clear. There's God or there's mammon. There's right and there's wrong. There's sin and there's that which pleases God. Make your mind up that we're going to stand for God even if it means I've got to stand alone. <clears throat> this uh, Elijah syndrome, you know, it, where he, he follows that and said, then said Elijah unto the people, I, even I only remain a prophet of the Lord, but Baal's prophets are 450 men. Well, we just talked about it. There's a, there's, a hundred, there's a hundred prophets of the Lord in the cave. There's Obadiah. He just talked to Obadiah. And yet Elijah says, I am the only one. And he's the only one on that mountain. He's the only one standing for the Lord. Now there's plenty of people that gave him lip service. Hey, and there's plenty of, of religious people in that cave that, you know, they, they're, they're for him. But their religion is not helping anybody. What does the Bible say religion is? James uh, chapter 1 and verse 27, pure and, undefiled religion, or <clears throat> pure and undefiled religion before God is to visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. I mean, Elijah is a perfect illustration of that. That's what he did. He literally, he's unspotted from the world. He's, he's set apart. And, 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 and notice the comparison here that God fed Elijah with flesh, so with meat, with steak, I've heard a, I heard a preacher one time say uh, the, somebody was having a, a, a barbecue or they were grilling out every time and so God would send the, the crows and, and take the steaks right off the grill right when they were perfectly done, right at medium rare because the guy that was cooking them, he always tried to cook them well done and God wouldn't stand for that kind of blasphemy and so he would take them right off the grill, right at, right at, right at medium and he'd bring them and he'd serve them to Elijah on that silver platter. And so Elijah was sitting by the brook. He's had the fresh water. He'd have bread. He'd have, you know, the, the dinner rolls. He'd have, he'd have steak every day when God was taking care of him. The, the prophets in the cave, they got bread and water whenever Obadiah snuck it out to him. We know he's a coward. He's not going to do it when anybody can catch him. And so he probably wasn't real consistent. And he probably did it at night. And they maybe got once. Every, the Bible doesn't say how often they got fed. But we know who Obadiah was. You know he was a coward. But they only got bread and water. So even Elijah, uh, being set apart, was, they're both separated, right? The prophets in the cave were separated from the rest of the world. They're separated from anybody and everything. So much so that they are no earthly help to anybody. Elijah was separated, uh, set apart for God. And God was taking care of him. And then he goes on and he visits the widow. And he takes care of her. And he visits her. And then when her son dies, he goes and he, and he, and he, and he heals her son. And, and no one else knows this. Elijah was sojourning with the widow. He was staying at her house. She goes to him. He doesn't go to anybody else. He doesn't gather anybody else so they can see this miracle. God does this miracle just for her. Just for her. So in verse 17, after all this Elijah had already done, he'd already, he'd already, uh, the oil didn't, didn't go away. The, the, the cakes didn't go away. Elijah had already done all of this, and he heals her son. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that thou art a man of God, and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. God did that just for her. That was, that's true religion, undefiled. Pure religion, undefiled in the way. 
that God would meet with her and, and, and just shows how much God cares about the individual soul and then what God's going to do on this big scene. And so the power of God is clearly with Elijah. It's not with the hundred in the cave. It's definitely not with Obadiah, but it's with Elijah. So let's just, let's just for, for the, <clears throat> um, just our remembrance sake, we'll go through and we'll look at everything that Elijah does. And he, uh, verse 22, or we read that, verse 23 he goes, let there therefore give us two bullocks and let them choose one bullock for themselves and cut in pieces and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And I will dress the other bullock and lay it on wood and put no fire under. And call ye on the name of your gods and I will call on the name of the Lord and the God that answereth by fire, let him be God. And all the people answered and said, it is well spoken. And so Elijah says, hey, we're going to have a showdown. We're going to see whose God is true, whose God is better and whose God is, is, is not there. He goes, so they, they, they dress these bullocks, they take these, these calves, and they put, they, they, they put them on, they're going to put them on altars, they're going to dress them up, they're going to do everything that, that it takes to, to sacrifice an animal um, uh, for their God, and whichever God answers by fire, they're not going to light the fire to actually offer it. Whichever God answers by fire is going to be the God. And so the prophets of Baal go first, and they spend all day crying and, and, and screaming, and they say that the Bible says they, they're jumping on, up and down on the altar, and they're making a scene, and they're really working something up. They, all day, they spend this time tirelessly, tirelessly, just screaming and trying to do all, all these things, and, and all 450 of them are just going crazy, trying to make something happen, trying to manifest something, and yet nothing's happening. So much so that, that uh, Elijah, I, I just imagine him leaning up on the rock on the other side against where he's going to build his altar, and and probably eating an apple or something. That's, that's how it is in my head, at least. And he's, he goes, hey, you should cry louder. Maybe he's sleeping. Maybe your God's on a, on a far journey and, and cannot be bothered right now. And he's, he's making fun of them. He's mocking them. And, and friend, that's, that's how it is. Um, if, if, if you've been born again, if you have the light of the glorious gospel, if, if you have the mind of Christ within you, the things that this world does seem pretty foolish. It's really easy to, to poke holes in, in the logic, and, and sometimes you have to sit back and you say, what, what were they thinking? How does this make any, any sense at all? And to a carnal mind, it does. To a carnal mind, it makes perfect sense. That's what the entire world was doing. That's what all of Israel was doing, was following Baal at this point. Their king was following Baal. They were all doing this. They all thought, yeah, that makes sense. And we, we look back and we look at this and we're like, how foolish. I mean, Elijah's standing there by himself, He's the only one. And he's, I, I think you should speak up. What you're doing is going to work. You just got to do, do it louder. No, you, you should keep trying. And it, obviously, they go all the way until the evening. Nothing happens. And so then Elijah comes up, and he rebuilds the old altar, and he sets the 12 stones for the 12 tribes of, of Israel, and he, he digs the altar, and then he digs a trench around the altar, and he tells the people, fill four barrels of water, and pour those, those barrels of water on the, on the altar. And friend, I think, I think that's just a, a beautiful picture of every reason why it won't work. Every bad excuse the world gives you of why serving God won't work. Every, every bad excuse why soul winning doesn't work anymore and door knocking and people won't listen and people don't care about the old-fashioned ways and people don't care what that old book has to say and, and all, of the, all of the things that everyone says, hey, when you surrender to the mission, you got to think, about, you have a wife and kids, man. You can't just go travel around the, world, travel around the country and, and ask 
people to support your ministry and get behind you. God's not going to provide all that. They don't care what, what's going on in Papua New Guinea. or they, All the bad excuses. And Elijah says, pour it on there. Give me more. Fill those four, four barrels up three more times and dump it on there again. So much so that the water fills the trench. Everything is soaked. You could not light a fire under there if you wanted to. You, had to, you could take a flamethrower on there. Everything's soaked. Nothing's going to burn. Every poor excuse. Every, every, uh, I mean, that's what the devil wants to do today. Every, he wants to quench a fire before it ever gets started in a young person's heart. Before you could ever get a, a, a fire of God in your life, that I'm going to do something for God, or I want to see the power of God, or I want to see something happen for God's sake, the devil's trying to pour it out. Hey, you can't do it. God can't use you. No one would listen to you. No one cares what you have to say. He's trying to pour it out. Pour it all out. And Elijah says, pour it on there. Go ahead. <clears throat> and uh, look at verse 36. And it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel, that I am thy servant, and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God, and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Elijah wanted to make it pretty clear what the point of this whole demonstration was. It's so that the people would know who God is. Verse 38, And the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice, the wood and the stones and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. The fire consumed it all. And if you would, uh, verse 39, let's read it all together. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, The Lord, He is the God. The Lord, He is the God. Friend, He is still the God today. And He wants to show Himself mighty in this world today. In this dark world that we live in, God wants to show Himself mighty. Yet most Christians fall under the first two categories we talked about, whether it's Obadiah's or they're in the cave. And I haven't told you the the title of 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 this message yet. The title of this message is Cave Christians Can't Call Down Fire. What does that mean? That means, and don't get me wrong, church is a good thing. You should be in church every single time the doors are open. If you're, if you're going to be a Christian, if you're going to be devoted to the things of God, God says to be here. Amen. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as the matter of some is, as much as you see the day approaching. Okay, You should be in church. But if this is all you do, if this is the only place that you can say the name Jesus. If this is the only place that you can sing His praises, if this is the only time that you sit under preaching, if this is the only time that I preach, there is no power in our lives. There is no fire of God in our lives. There is nothing, we have nothing to offer this world. We're just a bunch of religious people in a cave telling stories. Or some of us are Obadiah. And we're so consumed with the things of this world, that we're no good for God. That God can't use us. Because I, I can't step out on faith because I've got a good job, I've got a good, I've got a good thing, I've got people that rely on me over here. I can't step out on faith, I can't, I can't make, you know, I, I'm just trying to work within the limits, you know? Like, I, like I, you know, sometimes I slide a track under, under, the, under the glass when, whenever I get the chance, or as I'm, I'm going through a drive through you know, I hand them one right before I pull off so they don't have time to ask me any questions. And, and, you know, I'm just trying not to offend anyone. 
You're so concerned about what this world thinks of you, and, and, and you're so concerned about your position that you're not willing to do anything for God. God can't use that either. <clears throat> True religion, the, 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 the uh, cave prophets are separated from the world, but no earthly good. And Obadiah is not, is, he, the Bible says he feared the Lord, but he's not separated. True religion is to be unspotted from the world. I think the, the reason today that, that God, doesn't, God can't use us, won't use us, God won't use a dirty vessel. God can't use something that's been spotted by the world. Uh, Brother Lalo put it great this morning with, with the good intentions that we try to follow and follow the way the world does things. When you, you're, just, you're, you're spotting and you're dirtying up, you're dirtying up the very vessel that God wants to use. And He wants to show Himself mighty. And He wants to use you to reach this world and to reach the people in your life. And to teach them and show them, teach them about His Son. And that He died for them. That, that there's hope in life. And that you don't have to go through life miserable. Just, and, and the best thing you have to offer is just a, a, a good job or, or whatever the goals that people have set for this world. That there's more to life than what's here and right in front of us. The Bible says if, if this is all there is, if there's no resurrection, then we are of all men most miserable. That's how, much, that's how much Paul believed that, that this is real. That Christ rose again. That there is life to come if you know Jesus. But if you're too involved with this world, and I'll ask the, the piano player to, to, to come now. <clears throat> if you're too involved with this world, you're too involved with the things of this world. Hey, Jesus said, those that aren't with me are against me. And he that gathereth not with me, scattereth abroad. If you're not an active soul winner, if you're not actively trying to find a divine appointments and to lead people to Christ and to try to reach people, try to reach people with everything that you can and every way that you know how to and every way that God allows you to do it, you're scattering abroad. You're on the wrong side. You're, cl- you're close to that line. You say you fear the Lord, but you're not willing to take that step. I know most of us have a, have a, a Facebook, and I'm not going to preach of whether you should or shouldn't. Or I, that's beside the point. Everyone does. Everyone has this platform. And it can be a tool or it can be a hindrance. It can be a tool in the fact that you have this platform where you can instantly reach all of your friends and family. And you can reach everyone that, that you've ever come in contact with. <clears throat> when they look at your Facebook, what do they see? You have this profile, and it gets to say all the things that you like and what you do. And I know what your favorite football team is, and I know what you ate for dinner last night, but do I know who your God is? Can I look at your Facebook page and find out how to get saved? Can I look at your Facebook page and find out how to get to heaven? Because I'm sorry, your meme or your funny little post doesn't glorify God. But you can glorify God with it. You can use it as a tool. It can be a help. Use what God gave you. To reach those that God has you to get. And I'm done, brother. That's it. And as Brother Trenton's going to sing, just um, ask yourself, be honest with yourself. Am I I being uh, an Elijah like God has called me to be in this world? Or am I being so separated from the world that I hide my religion? Like the, like the prophets in the cave or am I just so blended with the world that I'm an ineffective prophet like Obadiah
And just ask the Lord to reveal that in your heart and get things right if the Lord's speaking to you. good day in the Lord's house and just a good reminder that um, Shawnee Mission Baptist Temple needs to be full of Elijah's not prophets hiding in the cave and not prophets that are so blended with the world that they are ineffective prophets for the Lord so thank you brother Gus for that charge and thank you for all the work that you and your family have been uh, putting into the church and I'm stuck with you to help you through that all so it's, it's been fun though it's been fun if you guys hear me giving a hard time it's because he's a friend now so um, but um just read over the bulletin for some points of interest coming up, but uh, I do want to remind us to pray for Pastor and his wife as they're traveling back, as well as uh, for Ms. Dixie Hope, the surgery on tomorrow, and for Brother Beaver's dad, just be in prayer with for them. Um, Brother Foster Sr., if you could pray for us. Dismiss us. Thank you. <laughs>